todo el mundo. Was really... 1881. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson, author of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the film The Ventures Stars on Guitars. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast for people who love music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And now, on to the show. My guest today is author Robert J. Stava, whose books include The Haunted Sketchbook and Cranial Leakage, Tales from the Grinning Skull. Robert performed for nearly a decade on the New York music scene with his band, The Jag. These days, he focuses on local legends and the history of the Hudson Valley, which is where he currently resides. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hello. You have a rock music related horror story in your book, The Feast of St. Anne. And of course, I read it, but uh, tell our listeners what it's about and also um, where your inspiration came from for that story. That came out of a uh, one of these typical, you know, one if, what if type of things that was uh, when I was first coming up with the whole concept of, of Feast of St. Anne's. And that was a, uh, that particular, no, it's actually a novella, was. Um, uh, was what if a you know it, a band showed up thirty years after they were supposed to play a gig? <laughs> and yeah, we know after, bands are usually late, but not yeah, late. <laughs> you know, and and if they were obviously you know, and if they've been killed in an accident, they they showed up. You know, how would that work? And then so that's where the story started, and then it sort of tied in with a um, a band that I remembered from my early days getting started in the music, uh, which was a band called Brown Tchaikovsky. They were a British uh, sort of power pop trio. And so they sort of served as the template behind the, you know, that what if band. And so around that, a bunch of kind of spooky stuff started to happen. I, I find that when you really get into the zone with writing, um, a lot of, at least with me, sort of synchronous things start to happen. In that case, it was a little, a little odd. Um, so I wrote that story and it was clearly inspired by that band and they were the template. And it, just as I finished the story, they reappeared. What? In, and so, yeah, 30, 30 years after they broke up. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So did they read the story? Did you send it to them? Or? Yeah, well, that was, that. you know, so I got a little nervous because I was thinking, oh, I thought nobody remembers. They were like a one-hit wonder in 1979, you know. And uh, I thought, well, maybe, you know, I, 
wasn't sure what to do. My, I talked to my attorney. She said, just contact them and come clean. So I did. And they ended up giving me a full endorsement. Uh, I sent them the story. They got a big kick out of it actually. And, uh, so it's, it's sort of a fictionalized version of this band that, you know, was just on the verge of making it. And then that was, and everything went down south, you know? Wow. That's amazing. I love that. Well, of course, as you know, with the rock and roll nightmares podcast, we love the melding of horror and music. Um, why do you think the two go together so well? Uh, well, if you're in the music industry, uh, you learn pretty quick. There's a lot of horror goes with it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to just embrace the monsters, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of them. You know, it's an awful. Thing. <laughs> um, well, I, the the Jag was your band in the '90s, and uh, yeah. you mentioned to me that you met Lou Reed and members of Blondie, Jane County, excuse me. Which uh, yeah, and, um, was this all in New York City? Um, it started out. Well, the, the JAG actually started out in, when I was in college, and um, the first person I met, the first day I showed up, turned out to be my best friend and my uh, songwriter, um, singer-songwriter collaborator, and we're still best friends to this day. It's almost uh, 40 years later. You know, We started a band there, and this was in the early 80s, and we did our first gigs, and then it sort of drifted apart. We talked about New York, you know, we were in Buffalo at the time uh, as a sort of a, you know, kicking around a bunch of guys sitting around the diner going, yeah, you know, we're going to go to New York and start a band. And well, we did. (laughs) (laughs) It took nine years, but we ended up, uh, or eight years, whatever, but we ended up uh, finally meeting up in New York City. And I had moved there. Uh, I had a band previous to that in Rochester for four years. I was in the alternative rock scene there. And then uh, that was falling apart. And I decided I was getting, I was already 27. And I said, if I, if I don't do something with my life, I'm never going to do it. So I just packed up my bags, moved to New York City and gave it a go, you know. And uh, that was 1990. And we did, you know, we had an eight-year run in the New York music scene and um, had a lot of fun, uh, a lot of crazy nights. Uh, as I said, met a bunch of people, uh, a lot of famous people, a lot of not so famous people, and a lot of people we just soon forget. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was time before social media, so you really had to talk to people and get to yeah. know, you know your fellow musicians rather than liking them on Instagram. So, I mean, there's really something to be said for that. Yeah, you, you know, as you know, it sounds like you're, you're pretty involved in your own in the music scene as well and, and, and out in the West. Uh, um, you know, you just network, you run into people or you meet people who know people. And next thing you know, um, the Lou Reed story came about because my brother-in-law got signed on the Capitol and Mike Rathke, who was Lou Reed's guitar player for, you know, decades, uh, ended up producing my brother-in-law and also playing in his band live. So, uh, so they, you know, the whole band was down at those shows and got to hang out a few times. Let's take a quick break here to listen to one of Robert's songs. This one is called What You Say.
some of the bands and who are some of the artists that inspired you musically? Um, I think uh, early on it was it was David Bowie and Pete Townsend. Uh, Townsend definitely with his sort of guitar and uh, angst, I think, and Bowie with his, you know, less so. But Bowie's more of an inspiration, but someone I could never imitate or, you know, who can? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. He was another planet for sure. Uh, or many know, so, of a kind, really, <laughs> all within one yeah. um, so, so did you ever get like, to meet uh, Bowie or Townsend or any of the really mega stars that, that you I, loved? I didn't, I didn't. I did meet other stars. You know, I met uh, uh, people like Michael Stipe. I ran to a bar and had drinks with him one night from R.E.M. Uh, and actually got I got missing lyrics from him from two, a song I was covering at the time of his in my band. <laughs> oh, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was like, you know, second, second verse, you know, first line sounds like this. What is it? And he's like, okay, it's this. I wrote it down, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, uh -huh. yeah, uh, I got to hang out with Smithereens one night uh, early on their career and great bunch of guys, just really cool laid back guys. And um, I think I ran into uh, Richard Butler from the Psychedelic Furs, lead singer, uh, uh, one afternoon in, in East Village at a, at a, at a cafe and um, ended up talking to him for a bit. And uh, yeah, just random people you run into, you know, through the music scene. Yeah, well, speaking of smithereens, that leads me to ask you about something that I saw on your website that you mentioned you were smashing guitars <laughs> while you was that really real or figuratively speaking? Because I couldn't imagine smashing my guitar. I mean, it's such a, a, a you know, a beautiful instrument. <laughs> well, there's a funny story, but one of those funny stories was uh, it ties in the CBGB's thing. We did a gig there at the time. My guitar uh, best friend there, Mark, he had a, uh, a hammer, and I had a Fender Telecaster. And it, you know, whatever you get caught up in the energy, and I, I threw my Telecaster into the ceiling at CBGB's, and it went up, it came down, it bounced. And then I picked it and I just grabbed it and it was fine. That's how well built those guitars are. But <laughs> yeah. the hammer, the hammer on the other hand, hit the, hit the stage and it just shattered into a <laughs> you know, 20 oh. piece. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that was its way of uh, self-immolation or something. But um, yeah. yeah, so I, I have been to CBGB just once about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, it was cool, but it had become a tourist attraction by then more than anything. So what was it like to hang out there in the 90s? I'm sure it was already an iconic place, but, you know, yeah, there was, was going on then. It was kind of already getting past its prime, you know, uh, by the mid 90s. Uh, we got in just on the tail end on that. And, you know, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a hole in the wall bar and the, yeah. the bathroom iconically awful. And, um, uh, but it had a great sound system. And so that's why you wanted to play there. And plus it had, of course, the, the, the aura about all the great bands that, that started their careers there. So, um, so, you know, we did a bunch of gigs there and it was, it was, um, you know, it's a, it's just cool. One of the things you had to do, it's kind of a rite of passage, you know, so <clears throat> But yeah. yeah, by the time, I think by the later 90s, it started, they started having cover bands and then it just went into a sort of a tourist attraction. Yeah, nothing lasts forever. No, you know, it doesn't. Um, and now it's, last time I saw it, the stage was uh, at the Rock and Roll Annex Museum. It was a, uh, a museum exhibit. <laughs> oh, wow. Music and writing. And I feel like there's more of a crossover than some people might expect. Um, and there are some horror author musicians like yourself who come to mind, like Stephen King, who is in a 
sort of more of a hobby band. And then right. Greg Kinn, who had some hits in the 80s, pop hits, um, he became a pretty prolific horror novelist. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, what came first for you? Was it writing fiction or playing music? It was kind of both. You know, I, when I was in high school, I started dabbling in short stories. I wrote some, some god-awful things, probably. I, I've never looked at them since. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's You know, and then... Yeah, around that time, I got the music bug, you know, in my senior year of high school. And then once I got to college going forward, I, I thought music was going to be my career. I thought I was in my delusional state, destined to be a rock and roll star. And um, uh, but, you know, we got to New York and then we still were convinced when we got to New York, that's where we're headed. You know, we, we had a good producer. We were playing the right venues. And that was my outside of my day job, which was I was a graphic designer in, in the ad agency world um that was where I thought I was going and then finally in the late you know that started to, I, it got to a point where it was just not getting fun anymore you know hauling your equipment around at four in the morning so uh I decided to you know shift careers and shortly after that I got into writing you know so yeah hauling a laptop from room to room is much more convenient isn't it yeah, then that uh, that eight ton uh, Marshall amp that I have. <laughs> right, and you haven't smashed your laptop yet, have you? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Um, so to wrap up, I do sometimes ask this obligatory question: What is your rock and roll nightmare? Well, you know, it, it's funny because I still, to this day, I have the I had one a couple nights ago. The anxiety dreams, you know. So that's mm. that's. You know, and it was I was on stage. Uh, we hadn't rehearsed any songs. Uh, we, nobody knew what they were playing. The guitars aren't working. The PA's fried. You know, <laughs> uh, everything's going wrong. But uh, but in reality, though, I actually survived my worst rock and roll nightmare. To, to be uh, on, on a more sober note, huh. uh, which was I uh, about a little over thirteen years ago. I, I also trained in martial arts. As a, I'm a black belt in karate. And during a, uh, a sparring match, I, I took a spinning back kick and fractured my throat. And I, so I was the lead singer, you know, in my band up to that point. And then, like, in an instant, I lost my voice. Wow. And that was one of the most horrifying, real, you know, real world things I dealt with. And, you know, and I, I actually should have died, too. That was, that was another thing. I, I, uh, if that kick had gone a quarter inch higher, a quarter inch lower, you and I would not be having this conversation right now. So... Um, but I, I recovered and it took years and years to get my voice back. I had to train myself to sing all over again. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations to you for getting through that and for your yeah. wonderful books that you've written. Um, well, what is next for you in the, in the book writing world or any other projects you'd like to do? Um, well, that, actually the, the, the story you read, the, uh, um, uh, in the Feast of St. Anne's, that, that's actually, that whole series just looks like it's going to be picked up by another publisher. So I'm, I can't say more just yet, but that's, we're in negotiations right now. Oh, that's exciting. Get it out yeah. to a wider audience, right? Yeah. So they're looking for that whole series. Uh, uh, and that, you know, that includes the Lonely Dancers, that, that story you read. And I'm currently on working on the next novel, Antikythera Codex. That's from my other publisher, uh, Severed Press. Uh, so that's my next novel for them. It'll be my third fourth yeah losing count already yeah i know <laughs> pandemic well, head you know uh so what's the uh name of your website and where can potential fans start reading your stories 
uh, you can go. It's actually the name of the, the, the main series. That's wyvernfalls.com. Uh, it's W-Y-V-E-R-N-F-A-L-L-S. And there's, you know, links to all the sites of these, um, all the novels there. Also, Severed Press has all my novels on, on their website. That's severedpress.com. Well, thank you, Robert. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to talk with me and introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's really cool. As always, before I close the show, I'm going to share a paragraph from one of the Rock and Roll Nightmares books. This is an excerpt from the nonfiction edition, and the chapter is Rock and Roll Suicide. Suicide can be contagious. Much has been made of the bizarre and tragic phenomenon of 2007 through 2009 in Bridgend, Wales, a sleepy county borough where dozens of teens and young adults killed themselves, almost all by hanging. The epidemic became global news and other instances of cluster suicides throughout history came to light. For example, in the weeks following Marilyn Monroe's overdose, there were 197 recorded suicides mostly of young blonde women who seemingly wanted to mirror their heroine in every way. In 2017, the music world lost two icons, Soundgarden's Chris Cornell and Linkin Park's Chester Bennington within two months of each other. Bennington, who was 41, was so devastated by his friend and mentor's suicide that he hung himself on what would have been Cornell's 53rd birthday. This concludes another episode of Rock and Roll Nightmares. I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson. The theme song, Out for Blood, is composed and sung by Lars with a Z, Cabot, and the band is Fuzzbuster. You can hear the whole track in the horror comedy film Valentine Days, also with a Z. For photos of the guests and show archives, please visit the website rockandrollthings.com. That's rock and roll with an N. You can also join the Rock and Roll Nightmares Facebook group or follow us on Instagram at rock and roll nightmares books. That's B-O-O-K-S. This is an indie podcast, so your subscriptions and ratings are really important. Thank you for joining me. And until next time. <laughs>